0: The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. So are you getting increasingly anxious or are you adjusting to a new normal? Tonight we we do what we always do the last Monday of every month and that is have our therapist panel on. Of course, this month will be a bit different because they'll both, uh, two of them will be by phone. Usually we have three extra people in studio, but that just seems a little too complex. So we're going to have two people by phone, Sandra Reich and Stefan Susan will join me talking about coping with the pandemic. Both of them are, uh, experts in the field of managing stress, man- managing anxiety and depression so make sure you get your questions in at 514 800 but first time to check out our inbox your texts
2: are always welcome
1: connect with passion at 514 800 so i told you last week that this week i would start answering some of your questions that may not be related to the crisis but people still are still sexual beings still may have some sexual questions so i decided i will uh, at least uh, answer a couple of questions. Questions at the beginning of every show, although some of them may be related to the crisis that that people are experiencing. So for me, this is day thirteen. I have one more day of isolation, but I have to tell you, I don't see the difference Like, okay, so day fourteen comes and goes. The only difference will be that I will be in closer contact with my husband. But my husband is the one who's going out to get groceries and such. So he has some exposure to, to people. So again, like social distancing, even within the same household is still going to probably go on. I'm not quite sure. So I'm sure uh, many people are confused about that and confused about the holidays, Easter, Passover celebrations as well. So we could talk about how people will manage that. I would love to hear some of your thoughts of how you're going to manage these celebrations in this new uh, at this time. Uh, so share that, uh, with us as well. And we'll talk about that with, with, uh, with our panelists too. So here's a couple of, uh, t- um, emails and, and thank you, by the way, got lots and lots of emails, uh, wishing me a happy birthday. So I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, My boyfriend and I want to wish you a very happy birthday. The poem you read Friday evening was a nice gift. I hope you're going to have a great day. We have learned a lot about each other during these quarantine times. We were planning on getting married next year, maybe, but that has been put on hold. Not because we do not love each other, only because we discovered we are not in love with each other or at least unsure at this point. So I'm going to continue with this email, but I want to come back. Don't let me forget. I want to come back to that very point. Uh, Being millennials, we are the first to admit that we are not in tune with the true meaning of a relationship. It is not just us. It's most of our generation. You dated in a world with much more direct communication and romance. And from what I remember from your baby boomer show, the art of romance and seduction is lost. We were wondering when the next Boomer panel show will be. We, the millennials, certainly need that insight. Of course, we won't be having any panels uh, that require in-studio stuff just for uh, for the time being. We love your show and it has helped us on several levels. Our company is not doing so well these days, but we will survive this. We only have three employees, which we laid off, but considering Mr. Trudeau's 75% salary subsidy, they are back on the payroll starting tomorrow, working from home. Not much to do really, but we made a lot of money during the good times and like you, we are giving back. Sending you a virtual hug. Well, thank you very much. So I want to get back to what you talked about. And I have to say that this one line is one of my biggest pet peeves. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. It's a pet peeve of mine because it shows me how people do not understand what love is and how love transforms and changes through the course of a relationship. When people talk about the in-love stage of a relationship, what are they really talking about? They're talking about the very beginning, the first, let's say, uh, the first 6 to 18 months of a relationship. Something is happening chemically in our brain that makes... It very, uh, usually a very lustful time. And that is the feeling we associate with being in love, but love, tra- it, it goes through stages where it deepens, but you lose some of that initial passion hunger for each other in the same way that you did. The problem is a lot of people misinterpret that and say, Oh, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Meaning I don't have the same passionate feelings I had for you in the beginning. That is expected. So either your expectations are off, where you think this is where it should be forever and ever and ever, um, or you don't actually love each other, or have decided that you're not a good a good match. But from what you say is that no, you you still love each other, just not in love. So you need to rethink this a little bit, adjust your expectations. Uh, you have to, we have to put effort into our relationships. You want to have a passionate relationship. You have to work at that. You have to put effort. You have to nourish it. It's like a garden. You can't just plant a seed and uh, hope that something's going to happen. You have to tend it. You have to trim it. You have to do all kinds of stuff, right? You have to nurture it. You have to nourish it if you want to maintain, uh, maintain that, maintain not maintain that level, but maintain that interest and some level of, passion. You want the hot embers to, to be, to continuously be hot. You don't want the fire to go out completely, but to expect that the flames will stay forever is just, um, unrealistic. So that's something that you, you might want to, uh, think about, but I, fi- I also find it interesting that it's it, during this time of quarantine and living together in close quarters, Uh, 24 seven, I think a lot of couples may be coming to similar conclusions because they're getting to see each other under a microscope. Um, and maybe we'll talk about that more tomorrow in terms of the problems that actually could surface and why we might start to question our, um, relationships a little bit more. Okay. Here's another question. Somebody wants me to, uh, arbitrate this, uh, hi Dr. Petito, this is my situation, this comes from a guy, last night I had a friend sending me a text picture to my phone of COVID-19 locations in Montreal that was sent by another friend of hers to her phone, she did not want to tell me who sent the picture, please tell me who is right, <laughs> uh, has nothing to do with relationships or sexuality, but it's okay, uh, below is the conversation we had, me, so here's, uh, I'll do his thing, where did you get that, did Tom send that? Who sent you that? Who sent you that? Six times I sent this text message and her response was, who cares? Uh, Does where it came from matter as compared to the important information being shared? And then he says, I would like to know who sent it to you. It's not a trick question. Who sent it to you? Who sent it to you? Who sent it to you? Why the secrecy? Did Tom send it to you? This sounds a bit like a little harassing, no? Uh, Her, it's not that I mind telling you so much as I don't appreciate unnecessary obsessive prying, which leads me to wonder why it means that much to you. You are acting like a pushy two-year-old, get over it. And he writes, sad. And she says, I'll say, what does it matter if it's Tom or another friend? Are we adults here or infants? Anyway, he wants to know... um, I'd like to know if she is right or I am right. Why does she go on like this? No, who went on like this? You went on like this. (laughs) That's the problem. Let it go. Somebody doesn't want to answer a question. Let it go. It doesn't actually matter, right? But it can feel very harassing. And then somebody puts their back up when that happens. Uh, coming up, we, uh, will talk with our, uh, panel, our, uh, our uh, um, therapist panel talking about, uh, dealing with anxiety and depression in this time of, uh, of crisis. So if you have questions for our panelists, please send them along at 514-800 or you can call us at 514 A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. You know, in any epidemic or a crisis such as this, it's very common for individuals to feel stressed and worried. There's a lot of fears, fear of uh, falling ill, fear of dying, fear of losing your livelihood, fear of being socially excluded or placed into Uh, quarantine, uh, uh, fear of uh, being just powerless in protecting the people that you love, the fear of being separated from loved ones and uh, caregivers, the feelings of boredom, of helplessness, of loneliness, of depression due to being isolated. All these would be um, common responses but how do we cope with these responses? And I think this is where we kind of need, uh, need help. So I'm very grateful that my therapist panel is here with us, albeit not in studio, uh, which is a little bit different, but, um, but I've got them both on the line. So we've got health psychologist, Stefan Susan, He's the founder of Psi sante He's with us. Hi, Stefan.
0: Hi, everyone.
1: And psychotherapist, Sandra Reich, she, she is the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. Hi, Sandra.
2: Hi, how are you?
1: Good. I have to tell you, I do miss my friends, like mm. uh, I, I really do, and you, my colleagues, of course, and none of us are, are working, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not seeing anybody um, in real life.
0: Especially on your birthday week.
1: Yeah, my oh. birthday week. Forget that. I don't I, I don't put that much importance on it, but I do want to thank everybody who who, uh, uh, recognized it. So thank you very much. Um, so when we talk, I mean, there's a lot of, um, there's many things to talk about. Of course, there's the social isolation and how people can cope with that. That's really hard for a lot of people, the, the loneliness and the boredom I'm hearing from people who are also quite bored because they're, I guess they're doers and they need to be out and, and what have you. So, we can certainly talk about those things and uh, talk about how wh- what you what are you getting from from people from clients? What are they struggling with most um, most importantly right now? Like what's salient? Uh, Stefan, you want to start?
0: Sure. Well, I'm getting a lot of people who are feeling anxiety, feeling lost, confused, feeling trapped at home in tight quarters, not being able to escape, not being able to breathe, not being able to see their friends and family and they're feeling stuck, feeling like they can't get out. and um, So some, some feelings of uh, being trapped. And then we have other people who are not quite sure about the future. What, are they going to have a job when they go back? Um, what their financial situation is going to be? Uh, we have also couples that are fighting more at home because they're yes. more present and more stuck in the same space. So intimacy breeds contempt sometimes. We're getting some of that and we're getting a lot of kids who are, who are restless and bored and frustrated and they're, they're fighting with their brothers and sisters uh, so we get a mixed bag of things and then nice. there's other people who are just delighted to be home <laughs> because it just gives them a chance to breathe a little bit <laughs> That's me.
1: I'm okay with it. I'm like, I haven't been bored yet. I've been catching up on every single project I've put on a list that that were projects that were to do in my retirement. I'm doing them now. Wow, (laughs) It's a little nuts, but yeah.
0: Well, it's been uh, incredibly busy for us as psychologists also having to change our way of working. I mean, 26 years in the field, seeing clients one-on-one and face-to-face. Now we have to see them by, by teleconference, we've done that a little bit over the time, but now we have to do more or less that, pretty yeah, much no exclusively, choice. Right. and managing a clinic and stuff, and everybody who's got different ways of working, it's it's a bit challenging, so I haven't yeah. had time to to enjoy the time off myself, but... <laughs> well,
1: but both of is, you actually are in a position where you run a clinic, so... Right. It's, uh, far more challenging than me who I'm not, you know, I don't run a clinic. I work at a clinic, but it's not, my clinic is closed anyway, but I'm doing all the tele teleconferencing or FaceTime, Mm -hmm. um, sessions as well. But Sandra, how, like, how's your staff handling all of this?
2: Well, we had to make a lot of adjustments, no doubt about that, and uh, just like the general population, every day has had its new set of challenges, which is part of what people struggle with, is that the famous issue of control, right? Control is an illusion, we always talk about that, Uh, but we have an illusion of control. We think things are in control, and right now, it really feels like things are out of control, so be it staff, be it uh, clients... Everybody's, you know, dealing with some adjustments in their day-to-day life, which is not always easy for people.
1: No, no, and also the the not knowing what's coming, right? So we're all like, exactly. kind of glued. Every day is a new a new um, a guideline or a new some something new, right? And then uh, we gotta. F- we got to like even further adjust. Like I remember at the beginning when they said, no, no big gatherings of 250 people. Then they went down to 50. Then it's 10. Now it's nobody. Exactly. You know, so changing. Yeah. Things do keep changing, but it's also very confusing for all of us sitting here, listening to all of this thinking, how are we going to manage this, that, and the other. But you know what, what I've noticed is the resiliency of people and, um, and, and talking to people who thought they could never do this kind of thing who are actually managing. So I just want to put that positive out there because we have, as humans, we do have an incredible ability to adapt, adapt. right. And, and adjust to situations. And, and, I think back to some of the worst times in history, and this is not the worst time in history. When I think back of, uh, you know, people who had to go through the Holocaust, for example, mm-hmm. or had to live in war-torn uh, countries and things like that, where where talk about not knowing if you were going to live or die at any given moment because of bombings, that's a whole other, to me, that's a whole other level. So I think, I don't know, this is what I do, is I put it in, in perspective that way. I don't know if that's... Um, that's, that's my coping. It's like, okay, this isn't so bad compared to what it could be, right? <laughs> well, but that's a strategy,
2: a good one. Still a
0: lot of um, people going through some, some post-traumatic stress, especially people who are watching the news constantly, and, right. and they're getting all the bad news constantly, nonstop. It makes them feel out of control. It makes them feel especially worried. It's almost like a war situation for some people who are, Looking at the numbers, and every day it's rising, and they're feeling like any day now it's going to happen to them, and so that that's pretty traumatic for a lot of people who are going through this, especially seniors who are alone and don't have that much connection, and the only source of uh, entertainment they have is TV, and what's on TV these days is that's right. all we see, that's all we hear. Yeah. Um, it's pretty scary for for some people who are who are addicted to that and who don't have any other social contact or who don't work or don't have a a sense of meaning or purpose or are retired and have lots of time to think, it it can be a pretty scary time. So let's keep that in perspective as well. And and these people are vulnerable and they need support. They need to be helped. uh, And Mm -hmm. we need to be there for them.
1: I I agree. And and I think, um, you know, you talk about a post-traumatic stress disorder. There are others. There are people who have lived through other crises, right? Whether it's their country of origin, whether um whether it's a war or what have you that is uh, pro- is triggering this when especially when they look outside and they see that there's nothing happening out there there's nobody not you know n- nobody's outside so uh, that in itself could be quite triggering
2: well I think that speaks right there to one of the big challenges is that you know the research shows that people our brain can handle bad news quite well it can't handle as well uncertainty the brain doesn't like that as much. We get much more anxious when we don't know what's going to happen as opposed to getting actual bad news. We adapt better when the bad news hits than living in not knowing.
1: Right. I think that's the key here is, is living in the not knowing like how yeah. do we so what are some strategies and I'm curious from people if they are it, it, our listeners are are you getting increasingly anxious are you adjusting to this new normal what are your what kinds of things are you struggling with 514-800 or you feel free to call at 514 800 I'm in conversation now with our therapist panel our health psychologist Stefan ben Susan, who's the founder of Sante, and psychotherapist Sandra Rich the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression we'd like to hear um, your thoughts so uh, what, what was the question I asked you that's my brain going. Strategies. Oh, yes, strategies. strategies to deal with uncertainty. <laughs> right. I mean, again, at the end of the day,
2: really almost everything in life is uncertain. True. There's, you know, it's just a little bit bigger now. And so what we have to do is always come back to the one area we do have control. We've always had control, which is the thoughts in your head and what you choose to tell yourself. Um, so there is risk. There's definitely risk out there. Uh, there's risk though, every time you do anything in life. So you want to challenge constantly, assuming that things are going to turn out terrible. You want to come back to some good strategies to day-to-day living, food, sleep, exercise, same things I always say on the show, still needs to be in order right now. And to limit, of course, the fan referred to this also is how much are you watching the yeah. news? social media there's only so much you can take I am trained at this if I watch too much of it there's no question I start to get anxious yes
1: yes I try also to limit it very very much I limit it to a little bit of every show on CJD some of their great programming that has to do with the with with the interviews and everything just to get the updates and that's it like People who are glued to CNN or Fox or what have you—I mean, it's going on all day long. So it, yeah. it's enough; it can be enough to to make us uh, crazy and have nightmares about it. I actually had a nightmare about this, but this was after I watched, like, an idiot, *Contagion*. <laughs> oh God! Yes. Really? So I—I'm I, I, torturing myself. I know. So I watched *Contagion*. And I'm watching this and I'm saying, this is our story, except for the fact that in Contagion, the, um, the symptoms, I guess, were more immediate and very drastic, but, but otherwise everything, the way things were being planned and the way that the, the population and how it spread through the whole world. And it was like, and then I had nightmares that whole night after watching that. And I said, okay, Mm -hmm. no more of these movies now. (laughs) I can't do that. Uh, Not not, the right time. time, What's that, Stefan?
0: Sorry, if you're watching all the news all the time, what it does is it makes you feel powerless, right? Yeah. And one show, second show, if you're watching it most of the day, you're you're pretty much reprogramming your brain, you're brainwashing yourself into feeling powerless. And so the things that you normally should be able to handle in life, you're not able to handle anymore, and you're not able to function anymore because you have a generalized sense of powerlessness. And that's what causes a lot of people to go into depression
1: right and, 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 and anxiety we're gonna we're and gonna get back disorder to that actually. Uh, let's reprogram our brains so coming right. up with our therapist panel we'll talk about how we in this kind of time we can reprogram our brain after we check in with our CJD800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter listener discretion is advised from the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. The therapist panel with us tonight, a health psychologist, Ben Susan, founder of C-Santé and psychotherapist, Sandra Reich, the director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, and myself as a uh, clinical psychologist as well. All of us, by the way, and all of our colleagues are doing sessions via all different, whether it's Zoom or Skype or FaceTime or what have you to protect but to protect us to protect you and also to off to be there for you in some form or another i have personally found it works quite well some people have chosen to wait it out and see what happens other people of course it's a financial situation because they uh, many people are very insecure about their uh, their jobs or have been laid off so that's a whole other a whole other thing but there are there are also services out there i want to give out the number for the crisis line for the canadian mental health association it's 1-866-277-3553 or the website is crisis services canada.ca so they have people who are standing by for mental health uh, crises which of course um, you know, and some of my colleagues are offering some uh, some free, uh, or they're offering some of their time at least uh, during this this time. If you feel if you want to connect with me, I'm happy to call you, speak to you for 15 minutes. You can uh, contact me via email to lori at DrLori.com. so we're talking with um stefan and sandra about reprogramming our brains now why do we talk about reprogramming our brains because our brains go which way that we have to change Uh, who wants to go sandra you go
2: well you know again the story you tell yourself produces an emotion in you. So if the story I tell myself right now says I'm doomed, I'm going to get sick, and I'm going to get really sick, and it's going to be awful, um, what feeling would I feel? Not so good. <laughs> right. So um, re- reprogramming for me, we want to be careful. about what's the story? I'm going to say to myself, can I frame it a little differently? Can I say that um, this is a very serious situation. I need to take serious um, measures to protect myself. However, um, again, famous statistical probability. There is, If you break down the stats, sometimes that's a little uh, surprisingly good news that you're actually in more danger still when you get in your car. Most right. people don't realize that. Right. Um, and if I'm going to be careful, uh, there's a very good chance I won't get it. If I get it, then again, 80% people who get it have mild symptoms i mean these numbers are a little bit debated across the board Um, there's no real advantage to working yourself into a frenzy before something happens um, you're, you're going to get yourself very nervous, your immune system's going to take a hit. Mm. Now, I know that's easier said than done. However, I, I appeal to my brain, and I ask people to appeal to their brain, is what's going to work most effectively to me, for me. And telling myself that I'm doomed is not going to in any way help me. So, right. therefore, that's a choice. And choice, again, is control. And I I like control. I don't like feeling out of control. Right. I admit that. Right. So knowing that I have choice gives me a locus of control. I can choose to have a very negative thought. I can choose to have a little bit more of an empowering thought. That we are doing social distancing in our household. Um, you know, we're keep every we're trying our best to keep everybody safe. It's not perfect, but if we're practicing what the government is telling us to do, we that is very much going to increase our chances of being okay.
1: Right. And we should always remember that just because you think something, this does not not make it true. (laughs) That's right. Not a fact. Right. Stefan. you want to add in on that?
0: Sure. I mean, for me, what I'm more concerned about is creating, avoiding trauma in people. So if we keep saying the same story, if we keep listening to the same things over and over, what happens is that we're training our nervous system. We're programming our brain and our nervous system to react to innocuous situations and be ready for trauma so what happens is the more sensitized our nervous system becomes to this information the more reactive we get the more anxious we get the more depleted we get that depletes our nervous system our immune system gets affected as well and creates not only mental health issues but potentially physical health Mm -hmm. problems as a result of too much thinking and too much worrying and too much anxiety So we want to avoid over-sensitizing your nervous system by changing the language, just like Sandra says, find things that are more proactive, things that we do have control over. And I I like to bring my clients back to things like as simple as breathing, like you do have control over your breath. Let's just start there. A lot of the time when we're anxious, we hold our breath. And just teaching my clients today of how to breathe again, Right slow that de- belly breathing in and out of the nose into the belly um, you'd be surprised of how much that calms down the nervous system makes us feel calmer and lowers our anxiety and gives us a sense of control so yes i don't have control over what's going on in the world but i know how i'm breathing i can control that right that really helps a lot
1: one I of think- the one of my the techniques that i love in, uh, especially when it comes to cognitive behavioral like uh, therapy and, and the exercises is when you give a persistent thought like, for example, uh, I'm doomed or everyone I love is going to die from this or what have you, is you give it the, the courtroom treatment. You confront it with all of the rational, counter statements find the evidence to support that because you normally you will not find the evidence to support that because you're going to have all these facts all the factual statements as sandra pointed out the the all the facts that are running through your head that you're seeing every day in fact where you know most people who get this are likely to make a full recovery and that's assuming that person gets it or or what have you so There's a lot of things we can do, but yes, it requires effort. It's not effortless. This is something that is a, it is a practice. You can't reprogram your brain without actually practicing it over and over and over again, right?
0: Absolutely. But for me, it starts with the body and calming the breath, calming the body down is the first step. If my body is calm, then my mind's going to have less thoughts. And I want to be able to control those thoughts more easily. If my body is feeling extremely agitated and tense, then I can say all those positive things in my world, but I'm still going to feel anxious inside. So for me, it's got to start from a physical level, which means we need to sleep, we need to rest, we need to exercise, we need to move our body, we need to breathe, um, and we need to find ways to keep the mind calmer through the body
1: right and these breathing techniques these um mindfulness techniques these grounding techniques yeah. you want to ground yourself to the to the here and now as well are uh, are vital to, to to combat any kind of anxiety really at a, at any time and there are so many good apps these days on that you can find and download just to help you even uh, get this going for yourself I just want to jump in and say that breathing, in a nutshell, is a
2: complete game changer. Um, uh, people underestimate the impact that it has. There's no question, I agree with Stefan 100%, that learning how to breathe properly, especially when you're feeling this level of stress, is a game changer.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, um, the, the, um, let's explain to people the difference between an anxiety breath and a calming breath. So a calming
0: breath is one that we're doing from below the diaphragm so when you're putting one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly just watch how you're breathing right now so take a full deep breath with one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly and see which hands moving if the hand on the chest is moving more than the other one that means that the message that you're sending your brain is I'm in danger right now okay. and whether or not you're physically or realistically in danger is irrelevant the message that you're sending your brain is you're in danger and the brain reacts and says oh my god where is the danger where is the danger and starts secreting all kinds of stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol through the body to prepare for this imminent danger now if I'm breathing from the belly my tummy the hand on my tummy rises and falls faster or deeper than the chest hand then the message that's sent through the vagal nerve to the brain is I'm safe I'm okay I'll be fine, and the brain responds by sending endorphins to the body that says, "Okay, let's relax, everybody. We're in, we're in for a long we're,
1: for we're okay. a good time. Right,
0: let's relax, let's let's, uh, May- let's stay calm."
1: Stefan, maybe towards the end of the of the program, you can take us through a little guided meditation. Sure. Maybe we'll find a little bit of uh, soothing music the last two minutes or so, and then you'll take us through a guided meditation. With How's pleasure. that? Sounds good. All right. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Coping techniques tonight with my therapist panel Sandra Reisch, a psychotherapist and director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, and Stefan Ben-Susan, a health psychologist founder of Psi Santé who will take us towards the end of the show on a 2-minute maybe a relaxation breathing kind of exercise that we can all uh, that we can all do. Uh, so we're talking about coping with this. I, I just wanted to share a couple of uh, text messages. I think many people think things will go back to the way it was. They are sorely mistaken. The world has changed and there is a new normal. It will not be the way it is now, but it will certainly not be like it was last month. So uh, again, the, maybe the stress or the anxiety about thinking of how life will change Personally, I hope the price of gas stays low, but besides that... You um, have
0: <laughs> an electric car, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's true, I plug in my car, that's no. true.
1: What am I saying? But, uh, you know, again, it's like, what will be the new normal? And maybe, but it's a, also a good thing, because people will be far more conscious of, I don't know, of, of maybe germs. I, I don't want to make a whole bunch of people OCD after this but maybe that will be something I'm not even sure like again who who can be sure of what will be
0: well I think it's going to be a good two years at least before everything kind of settles down there's going to be some major repercussions from this from obviously from an economic standpoint yeah. from a job situation from a mental health point of view uh, health care is going to take a major hit I mean there's going to be a lot of uh, you know stuff that happens as a result of this major crisis and so many people being at home. But, I mean, it is what it is. What, what are we going to do about it? We can't right. just focus on the future. we got to be present with what can I do right now to make my moment better. Right. Uh, and that's really all that we have control over, and that's what we need to, to remind ourselves is living the moment the best that it can at this moment and not focusing so much on what will happen later. Whatever happens right. will happen.
1: Right. And, I- uh The passion poet weighs in. He says, he wrote, the the way things were will be just a memory. The world has now changed. This is the new reality. We learned there are really no borders. We learned we are all the same. We all share this earth. We are all in the same game. We have quickly evolved. It will be hard to adjust. Get used to the new reality. It's not a maybe, but a must. So we do have to find new ways also of connecting. I want to talk about that too, because the holidays are coming up like the Easter holidays, Passover holidays, these celebrations where, um, family time is so important or, or it's usually tied into family get togethers. Mm -hmm. And, um, there have been got now guidelines that have set out. I know in, in the Jewish community, for example, we got, um, an, an email stating that Seder's Passover Seder's are not to be held in groups, even your own family, only within whoever's living in your home, uh, not inviting anybody over, not going to anybody else's home. So people are going to have to find a whole new way of making uh, those connections. Yeah. So. and
2: I think I think they they will, and I think we need to. I think that it's important to remember that we are social creatures. Yeah. And we have to be creative there for the holidays, all different kinds of holidays. There are options, once again, like Zoom, FaceTime, lots of ways of still maintaining social connection. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's, again, something I'm seeing in my clients is the isolation yeah. and the lack of connection has, can have profound effects on people and, um, and ourselves, too. And we can connect through Zoom. We can do it. You can bring your family in it's not maybe it's not what we're used to, but there are ways to still have those connections well, Very
1: important. Yes and sometimes more like we last night so I, I had a birthday yesterday and we celebrated with my family. Uh, my husband and I live here. our kids don't live with us and uh, we were all of us on a house party and we had the, we had such a great time uh, playing games. Like just, we were able to play Pictionary. Like yeah, it's I'll, an I'll, I'll app I'll that go. has a game on there and we were laughing and being together and it, ju- it, it felt great. And I'm not even sure we would have done that in the past. Right. So <laughs> that's th- great. Yeah. So we're finding other ways of, of connecting and FaceTiming with each other every day. And so, yes. And I, I suggest to people, even if you have elderly parents set them up with uh, technology I'm fortunate my, my elderly parents are set up with technology and they know how to FaceTime and such, but sometimes that's, that might be what it takes also to, um, to help with that isolation. I feel horrible for the elderly who get no visitors and who are, are really like super isolated right now. Mm. It's tough. Yeah.
2: For sure. I mean, I think your birthday is really, um, a great example of creativity. I mean, I saw that you were playing Pictionary with your family. I mean, that's just, that's awesome. It was fun.
1: And we are, we're planning, uh, holding a Seder. So we're four kids, so four, four different families. And my father will lead the services or the Seder from his, you know, all through our, our, our iPads and such. So, He will be at the head of the table doing it for all the kids. Mm. So it will still, uh, and my mom who's cooking and planning to pick up, you know, have delivery service to deliver to the different homes so we still get home cooked. So we have to find a new way. There's just an adjustment. It's not the best, but it is better than not, right? Just a different way. It's thinking differently rather than, just thinking black, like just the dark thoughts. Yeah. And,
0: and because we're making more deliberate efforts to stay connected and to make it fun, we're actually more mindful of our experiences and, and that can allow us to have more fun because we're actually putting in the effort and instead of just showing up and then just allowing things to happen and taking things for granted. We don't take it for granted and we appreciate the connection in a different way.
1: You are so right. You know, that, what a great point you bring up is that we're actually so much more mindful of these connections mm-hmm. We're we're talking to people. Maybe we haven't talked to in a long time. We're putting in that effort. We're finding ways to connect. Whereas before mm-hmm. we would just take it for granted. We would just show up somewhere, like you said. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, I think there's a, a lot of positives that we can get from this. For sure. But we do have to change the the mindset a little bit, and and hopefully we've given people some tools to be able to do this a little bit uh, a little bit more. Any other um, any other tips that you would say for for social isolation?
0: Well, I recommend well, my clients stay creative and and to be busy, whether it's learning a new language or practicing a new instrument or whether it's trying a new recipe, something where they're doing something, where they're mm. creating something, something proactive. I like that. As opposed to, you know, just allowing things to passively occur in our life. Let's, what can I have control over today? What is it that I'm willing to do that's different, that, that gives me that sense of control?
1: And not just control, there's a, you can start fun. A, a fun passion. Like this is a mm-hmm. way to create new passions for yourself. I spoke to a few people who mm-hmm. are doing things they have never had time for mm-hmm. that are, uh, are, are finding fun, new ways of being creative. Sandra, yeah. have you done anything to be creative? I, you
2: know, <laughs> I think that everything in a way is creative because it's all new. Everything that we're doing around here is new. Um, we also believe that having good rituals in the household, um, you, just in the way you approach your day mm-hmm. has a big, big impact. So I would say that, you know, even having the thought that living with your new normal and bringing in new passions but also creating rituals in your day-to-day operations even getting dressed in the morning right our kids i have young kids and so they're (laughs) they technically can be in their pajamas all day we're not doing it we ask ask, ask them to get dressed Uh, on their school days they get dressed um, just to try to get into some good habits and to keep the mood because the mood is what you have to watch the mood can drop And that can spiral down quickly. So we want to keep some good habits and good rituals. Good.
1: Stefan, we put in a little bit of nice soothing music in the background. Maybe you want to guide us in uh,
0: in in
1: a mindful ritual for a minute or two.
0: So everybody should be either sitting down or lying down. If you're sitting, make sure your feet are flat against the floor and they're not crossed. If you're lying down, just enjoy and then cross legs as well. And just focus to begin with on the feelings you have in your feet to begin with. Let's just kind of ground and feel our, our feet or feel the body against the bed or the couch that you're lying down on and just connect to the physical, what's going on in your body, what's going on in your feet. And then imagine if you can, if you're sitting from your feet, um, imagine the kind of a, a cord like a root that goes through the soles of your feet into the floor, into the ground beneath you. So kind of like a tree sending its roots down, imagine those roots going deep, deep, deep. And if you're lying down, imagine that root coming out of your tailbone and going down through the bed or the couch and going right through the floor of the earth all the way to the center core of the earth. And imagine those roots kind of spreading deep and wide in front of you to your left, to your right, front and back. And then allow yourself to connect to the breath so allowing yourself to breathe slowly in and out of the nose into your belly full breath in and full breath out and keep breathing slowly from your belly not from your chest and just allowing your eyes to close if they're not closed already and feeling your connection to the earth and feeling safe as Mother Earth is here and she's here to protect us and support us through all of this we are all safe we'll get through this we will be okay and all we need to do is to surrender to what the experiences that we're experiencing right now in the body so feel the breath feel your heartbeat and allow the tension to kind of soften from your body Kind of like you're lying down on a beach, for example, and feeling the warm sand, kind of softening your muscles and relaxing and releasing anything that you're holding on to.
1: Stefan, are people, um, actually people can listen to this on podcast and put it on repeat if they want
0: to, to
1: continue this. But otherwise they can get more of this kind of information on your website, com.
0: Absolutely.
1: Wonderful. Thank you for that, Stefan. Really appreciate it. Uh, Stefan and Sandra. Sandra Reich uh, can be found at uh, the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression, helpforanxietydepression.com. Thank you both so much. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you,
0: everybody. Thank you. Hang
1: in. All right. Hang in, everybody. Uh, Thanks to uh, Dave Simon, our technical producer. Uh, Coming up next here on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion.